Thank you for listening to the Matt's Movie Reviews podcast, available on iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, and Stitcher. Also, please follow Matt's Movie Reviews on Facebook, YouTube, Parlor, and Instagram. And of course, be sure to visit www.mattsmoviereviews.net for the latest reviews, top 10 lists, and more. Now, on to the show. So you've got a visitor at your place? There's some English woman's rent in the cottage. Yeah, well, you know who she is. I don't know what you expected to find here. I'm not a journalist. And what are you? A mother. My son's body was never found. <laughs> we were supposed to harvest that very field the day after the accident. But now we never will. I talk to Violet all the time. Is that what you're doing out in the fields at night? They are all angels, and they don't ever leave us. Hello and welcome to the Matt's Movie Reviews Podcast. I am your host, Matthew Perkovich, and this is episode number 311. Out now on Netflix is Sweet River, an Australian horror mystery that stars Lisa Kay as Hannah, a mother who returns to the town of Billings to investigate the abduction of her four-year-old son who is presumed dead. Once there, she finds the town in suspended mourning and at the mercy of the ghosts from a tragic past. A haunting, creepy exploration into grief and parenthood wrapped in a murder mystery, Sweet River is sure to stir the souls of those who will watch it. And joining me now on the Matt's Movie Reviews podcast is the director of Sweet River, Justin McMillan. Justin, I thank you for your time today. Thanks, Matt. Thanks for having me on board. So... Your background is in documentary filmmaking, especially like the Storm Surfer movies. You did um, three of them. And now you're moving into with your, with your first narrative feature. Um, interestingly, though, your first feature is with horror movies. Um, what was the idea to jump into that particular genre? And how did The Quiet Place, which is a film that was released a few years back, how did that really influence the approach of the film? Because I heard that had a, a major influence on you in regards to tone of this movie. Yeah, well, I, I was approached by a producer friend of mine um, who'd recently moved to Byron Bay, uh, where I'd been living for 10 years, and he just said, listen, I've had a bunch of projects fall over. Um, what can we make for this price around this area um, that has to be in this genre? And I was like, oh, how come it has to be in that sort of horror genre? And he was just like, well, this is a... You know, this is a straight sort of sales play for me. There's a really good chance that it'll get picked up and it'll sell if it's if it's in this genre. And it wasn't really something that I liked. Um, you know, I I, I I did like some sort of horror thriller movies, but not so much horror. <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay, well, let me sort of investigate it a little bit more. And mm. um, yeah, then when John Krendis, Krenkinski's uh, um, Quiet Place came out. Uh, I just loved it, and I just loved the tone of that film, and I, I just love, you know, the whole film was just about um, a father and a mother trying to keep their tr- their children alive in a world that has been turned upside down. So um, I just, I just was so, I was so into it, and I just loved it, and I knew that they would 
have a lot more money than what we had to uh, make Sweet River, but it really influenced um, the story that I wrote and um, I really wanted um, the film to have an emotional feeling to it and I'm a father of three myself and I just kind of drew on a lot of the, you know, the biggest fears that we all have as parents um, yeah. is, is obviously the safety of our children and, and that was something for me that it's really easy to write about that stuff and um, the more I kind of got into it, I was just, I wanted it to have a different edge, you know, like like um, The Quiet Place has creatures, you know, I wanted this film to have something that, that was a little bit un unexpected um but semi-plausible uh, yeah. and, and that was quite hard it's quite hard to structure that in a in, in the right way but um yeah that was that was the the idea behind the ingredients of the story and you know you mentioned storm surfers before and like even though that was documentary but myself and the co-director um chris Nelius that i made that doc with we were we were really um we were really passionate about the audience um, leaving the film with something like an emotional connection to the mm. characters and feeling like they'd, they'd, they'd taken something from the film. It wasn't just a, an action extravaganza. And, and, and we achieved that. And we had a lot of people in Toronto Film Festival sort of saying to us that they really loved it for that reason. And I sort of made a little promise to myself at that time saying if I was ever going to make anything, I wanted to stick to those rules. I wanted the audience to to take something from the film and 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 feel that that you know they might have learned a bit from it or 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 it's affected them at least in some way. Um, and and that's what I really strive for in this picture because I knew we didn't have enough money to wow anybody in effects or. Um, anything like that it was just a really honest little film and uh, shot over 17 days so it was just like well what do we have um, and let's just farm that really well and that was um, really good actors with really good performances and and um, yeah I'm, I'm, I'm really happy with what we achieved with that amount of money in that in that time period um, uh, it was a it was a struggle it was a real baptism of fire for me as a first time the filmmaker but, but um yeah, I'm glad people are responding to it. And I think uh, you should be glad because I think something that this film has that a lot of horror movies don't have, and, and trust me, I get sent a lot of horror movies my way because it is a, a genre of film that's really accessible to a lot of filmmakers, especially first-time filmmakers. And the film, your film has emotional stakes that are palpable. I myself am a father of two boys and um, anything that deals with the death of a, a child, I think you know, depending on how filmmakers approach it, can, can be done in an exploitative way, but the way that you guys did it um, just really captured that grief really well. And I think that really comes across in the movie. And that's why I said in my intro, it was it's just as much a movie about parenthood as it is about anything else, you know, in the realm of the genre that you're dealing with. And I think that's a really strong thing on your part. So I just want to say congratulations to that because I think you guys really hit the nail on the head there. And... Um, I think the, the performances are terrific as well. And let's talk about Lisa Kay. She plays the character of Hannah. And what I really liked about her performance was that it was really a balancing act because she's playing a grieving mother, but she's also playing a character kind of like on the edge of self-destruction throughout the movie. Um, and I thought she did really do a terrific act in getting that balance right. How early was Lisa cast in the film? Did you know much about her work beforehand? And was she uh, someone that... Uh, 
you know, a, a person of her stature? Was that someone you're thinking of working with in your first feature film? I stumbled across Lisa and um, I, yeah, I she's married to a friend of mine who's um, a lovely producer and I just, I had no idea that she was that good. Mm. And uh, she was just sort of hanging out in Brisbane, um, sort of doing the odd bits and pieces that, that she does voiceover-wise and um, the odd little role here and there. But um, I, I, I just sort of said, listen, after speaking with her, I, I, said, I wrote this short film um, for International Missing Children's Day for uh, the Australian Federal Police a couple of years back. Uh-huh. And I said, could you, could you just could you just play this little role for me? I know you don't do commercials, but this isn't really a commercial. It's an awareness film. It's for a good cause. Um, And she read the script and came down and did it. And and she just came on set and just blew me away from the second she, she, we called action. And I, 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 I don't know, like I just, I knew I had to do something more with her and I pretty much wrote Sweet River around her, like as her, as the lead I didn't really consider anybody else. Um, I purposely didn't go back and look at any of her other work because I didn't want it to affect what I was doing with her character in, in the in the writing stages, and and I did, and I just wanted to have this air of ignorance around <laughs> around me and her relationship um, because we were building we were building this story from from grassroots, and she's gone through some pretty heavy stuff in her own personal life that I knew from meeting her that she was she she was just going to take herself straight to that point and she did and because she's such a, a a classically trained actress she can she just has these ways to get herself into that mode and um I don't know there's so many times I was just bawling my eyes out watching her cry and I just I totally bought it I bought into it I I was yeah, I was I, I was honoured to have her on set. She's she's a real she's a real talent, really amazing. Also, great in the film is Martin Sachs, and a lot of people, of course, in Australia know Martin from a lot of his work in TV, especially in nineties with Blue Healers and such. In this movie, he's almost unrecognisable, and that leads me to ask: when he is approached to do the film and he agrees, do you talk about look of character? Does he have ideas about what the character will look like? big bullshit beard, a huge kind of glasses. Is that something that he really comes to you and says, mate, this is what I'm thinking for this character of, of John. Uh, what do you think? And you kind of work on that from the ground up as well. Absolutely. Marty's um, Marty's at that age where Marty can just be, be Marty and say what he wants um, in terms of his character development, those ideas, um, uh, you know, the beard and the glasses were all Marty. Um, all I gave Marty was the limp. And mm. the limp was pur- purposely um, designed um, to, for his inability to catch um, Simpkins chasing Max uh, in, in that final wrap-up. So um, I hope I don't spoil it for anyone. <laughs> but, be cool. um, but, yeah, it's um, that, that, that was it for me. And Muddy was like, oh, I want to do this and I want to do that. And I was, I was totally into it. We talked about wardrobe. We talked about facial hair. We talked about... Yeah, the glasses and and I loved everything um, that that he'd suggested and you know we're not too far from the location where Marty and I live. Um, I met Marty 
at the gym one day. Um, I literally walked up to him and said, I've got this film. I really want you to be in it. Um, he didn't really, he kind of, he knew who I was, but he, he like, I, I'm nobody in, in, in the feature film world uh, or the television world. So it was kind of really lovely that he didn't treat me like that. And he was like, yeah, you know what, let's, let's talk, let's talk about it. And we did. And I started sending him some stuff and he reacted really well. You know, as I said, like he just, he just owned the role, role, um, made that character his own. And, um, and it was just so fun to see, um, see how it developed. And I, the crazy thing is I'd written like some of the end scenes. I've expanded them a lot. And there's a scene where he's on the floor after, um, Lisa is attacked and, um, and he sits on the floor next to her and they, but he basically spills his guts and, mm. and they have it out. And, um, I don't know, like I'd written that scene really early, early on in the piece and watching him perform it with Lisa was such a, such a big moment for me because I, it was just so nice to see something play out, uh, on your monitor exactly the way you'd imagine it when you were writing it. And, yeah, both those actors were just, um, I don't know, it was just, it was just so, so much fun. It was just so fun. It was the whole reason why I, I persevered trying to become a director my whole <laughs> life, just to have those little moments. And that was a really special one for sure. I'm a big proponent as setting as a character. Um, and I thought that the town of Billings, that's a, that's a fictional town as well, isn't it, uh, Justin? Yeah, yeah. The actual town it's set in is a place called Condon in the Tweed Valley, and um, we just obviously gave it a gave it a different name. But um, but yeah, it's um, it's an interesting little sugar mill town on the on the Tweed Valley Way. Yeah. And what is really interesting about that you just mentioned it then the um the sugarcane fields and you know I've watched pretty much every Australian horror movie and they've been set in you know the usual places the outback bushland etc. Um, I don't think I've ever seen one set in like with the tall grass kind of like what you have in this movie. I mean it's a very American horror thing, really that kind of um that kind of setting. Um, was it always your intention to find a place? with something like that and use it in your film or was it that you came across that location and then you had to tweak the script a bit to kind of um, include that in there because I think it was used really well yeah no it's 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 a bit of both it's um it's um what would I say it's kind of um it's been um something that I've just I've been like driving through fields a, a lot like living in Byron Bay um you know every time you go to the airport that's what happens um and and to be honest I I, I just put my practical location scouting head on and I would write I would drive and I'd come home and write I'd let the location inform the script and I kept driving and writing and driving and writing and photographing and and um you know driving at night through harvest um through the harvest time of year where I'd, a lot of the fields are sort of segregated by the sugar mill. Wherever the harvest there is, they burn. They burn the fields at night, you know, a day or two before they're harvested. And I was, I just saw these these fields alight, and I was like, if we can, if we can tailor the story to culminate in the third act around cane burn, then we just might have a film on our hands that looks way bigger than what we can afford. So I basically tailored 
the, the entire story around a burn um, conclusion and then, you know, obviously got in bed with um, the right farmers to be able to ride off the back of one of their burns and hmm. um, try and wedge it into our shooting schedule. <laughs> something that, that something that works really well in a film as well. And, you know, it's interesting, I'm 311 episodes in and this is the first time I could talk to a filmmaker about this and that's... um aerial cinematography through the use of drones and i know that like yeah. you're you yourself have a like a business where you sell kind of drone technology and i know you've used it in like your documentary work um but in the feature film work when you're working with actors etc um is there a difference in the way do you approach that kind of use of that technology in your movie or is it similar to what you might do for documentary stuff because there's a great actually scene in a movie where you follow Martin, as he leaves his home, he jumps in his ute into kind of like the, you could just see like that really great kind of aerial shot as it goes up over the cane fields with the red lights and all that. A great shot there. Like doing something like that, is that something that is, you approach that differently, working with an actor in a feature film as opposed to a documentary? Uh, yeah, definitely. Like, I mean, drones are obviously a great tool, storytelling tool for establishing shots. And, you know, I mean, arguably um, used incorrectly uh, quite a lot. And I know Simon Baker uh, was a director that I um, was lucky enough to work on his film, Breath. Oh, awesome. Um, yeah, that great film, that one. Yeah, and I, I, I worked on the surf unit um, nice. for Simon and um, I did some aerials for Simon in the film and he was like, I don't want it, I don't want it to be a drone shot uh, I don't want the audience to think about where the camera is. I want the, I just want the shot to be an aerial, like a, like it's a, a you know, a, a huge tower in the air and it's locked off and that's what it does. And I don't know, it just made me reconsider my approach to aerials. And um, I really wanted the, the heli guy, guys that I, you know, work with. Um, I helped form that company years ago. Um, have developed this handoff system where we hand off from land to air and that's what we used in that particular shot that we're talking about there and um, I really loved it uh, and I wanted to use it and I wanted to work out a way that I could use it in, in, in a place in the film that, that, you know, made sense for the story. It wasn't just a cool shot for cool shot's sake. It was I wanted the audience to persevere the same way Marty has to, well, the same way John Drake had to persevere to go find his wife a couple of nights a week where he has to get out of bed, has to get in his car and he has to drive out to somewhere in the fields, wherever she is, mm. out there walking, looking for their daughter. And I wanted it to be long and I wanted it to be arduous <laughs> because that's what this guy has to do. And I was like, okay, well, for it to do that, it still has to be interesting enough for the audience not to just turn off and it and it needs to show scale. So we, we designed this handoff and I've had a couple of handoffs. So there's a handoff in the intro and there's a handoff, uh, you know, basically at that moment. And I really wanted to use them um, in, in, in the right way to inform the story. And, and I believe it did. And um, I don't know, like I, I love, I love, I love drones for that. Like they give the audience that sense of place and that particular shot goes from the bedroom up to above the fields and then we cut literally back down onto the back of his ute when he finds it. So the audience kind of know exactly what's happening even though it's pitch black and the only thing that's lighting anything are the headlights. Um, and I thought, I, I, just, I don't know, I just thought that was really cool and 
I was really happy with the way that that turned out. Oh, it was a really cool shot and something I like immediately immediately took to. I really wanted to to ask you about. Um, speaking of new technologies, so the movie is available now on Netflix. It's actually um, tagged as a Netflix original, which I know you're very you're very proud of as, as well. And um, the thing about this year with with everything that's going on with COVID and closing of cinemas and such, streaming has really come to the fore as kind of like I don't know if it has replaced cinema, probably hasn't, but there's so many things happening now in regards to the landscape of filmmaking and distribution. Um, I don't know if you saw that um, Warner Brothers made an announcement that all their big feature films that's released next year will also concurrently be on their streaming platforms at the same time. Um, yeah. Now that you have your own first feature film on Netflix and you're seeing the, the the fruits of that, and I think it's a perfect type of platform for your movie because it's a really intimate film and I think it needs an intimate setting really as well to, to really um, help get its uh, the texture and, and points across. Um, do you think that this is the way of the future now? Do you think that streaming uh, or concurrent streaming along with cinema releases um, is the way that a lot of people will go now in getting their movies out there? Or do you think that when people get more comfortable to get outside um, post-vaccine, that cinema will rise to the top again? I think it'll go back to the way it was. I hope it does. I mean, I mean I, I'm so excited that Sweet River's on Netflix and I believe all streaming platforms are, are, are so great because people these days are so time poor and they, you know, they, they just need to be able to watch films that they want to watch whenever they want to watch them because mm. um, that's just that's just the world we're in these days. But the reason why streamers even exist in the first place is is because because of cinemas and because you know because of of movies and and content. So um, you know it's it's where it's where it all came from. It's it's the reason why we got into this business because we love going to the movies. We love yep. the the smell of popcorn and the you know and the and the and the chairs and the you know the way the curtains come back and you know the the surround sound and and all those things is it's the reason why I got into filmmaking. Like I mean I, I like I even used to just get so excited when I'd see the Paramount logo sequence come up at the start of a film. You know I'd be like right I'm about to be told a story. I'm in a locked room. No one can bother me. Phones are off. Um, it's just me and the story. And and I think that's just that's just magic and I really hope cinemas um, you know, continue to, to, to operate uh, consistently with streaming. I really do. Um, whether that happens or not, I don't know. I don't think anyone really knows, but I reckon, you know, once once we get through whatever we're going through right now, there's I can't see why, why I wouldn't go back to the way it was, you know. So for everyone listening, Sweet River out now on Netflix starring Lisa Kay and Martin Sachs, directed by Justin McMillan, who I just spoke to right now. And Justin, look, congratulations with the movie. I think it's a really terrific film. And I know it's your feature film as well. So double congrats on that. And um, I can't wait to see what you do with your future um, uh, uh, releases as well. And um, once again, congratulations and thank you for your time. Thanks so much, um, Matt. I really appreciate it. And um, yeah. Take care. Speak to you in the next one.